Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is February 9th, 2023, and our first story. James O'Keefe has been ousted from Project Veritas. We got our hands on a letter sent by employees, but there's something interesting in it. They actually claim, despite their complaints, that many of these people never witnessed any abuse, nor were abused themselves. So why are they seeking to oust James O'Keefe? Seems like a coup attempt. In our next story, State of the Union ratings are at a 30-year low. Who's surprised by that? In our last story, a second New Jersey Republican has been killed. Could this be political? If you like the show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. Share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. We have major breaking news pertaining to Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. He has been placed on paid leave over some kind of controversy involving the firing of a chief financial officer. I have a Twitter thread from one individual breaking down what happened. And I can say right now that I have the letter drafted by the employees making complaints about James O'Keefe. And uh, I'm with James O'Keefe on this one. Look, I don't know a whole lot about the internal workings of Project Veritas. I just know that James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. So what we're hearing is that there's some uh, disgruntled employees who have filed, who who have issued their complaints about uh, James O'Keefe, and that in some instance, apparently he tried to fire an individual or or more, which resulted in the board taking the action of removing James O'Keefe. All this at a time when uh, infighting and drama among the anti-establishment and the culture war right seems to be reaching critical mass. So it is what it is. Uh, I can't tell you why it's happening. It is just it's happening everywhere. And especially considering Project Veritas recently just came out with one of its biggest stories ever, exposing an executive from Pfizer talking about what people would colloquially describe as gain of function research. This comes off as highly suspect. Why now at Project Veritas's biggest moment? And they've had many big moments. Don't get me wrong. The Amy Rohrbach tapes where they exposed how ABC News covered up the Epstein interview. Why right now is this all happening? It seems tactless. Why would if, if Project Veritas had a problem, if the board members had a problem, why would they not simply say, guys, we're going to wait? Maybe they can't. I don't know. Well, let me know what you think. 
I'm sure there are a lot of people who have their concerns uh, or issues with me because I've certainly been in a mood, as it were. But um, I think it's time we have a serious conversation about the, the, the bifurcation and the fracturing and the collapse in the unity that we've seen in the culture war right, as it would be described. And uh, we, need, we, 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 we have to address it. We have to absolutely address it. Look, man, you know, it's one thing when you feel personally slighted or you're upset about the way an organization is operating. But let me just stress right now between The Daily Wire and Steven Crowder, um, between me and, and, and the quartering and anyone else in, in, you know, involved in that, between Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, yet we can't have this. We absolutely cannot. We can have our differences. We can have our disagreements. But if this persists at this level, especially after I just covered a story at 1 p.m. about two Republicans now being killed, this will be the end of whatever it is we are all trying to accomplish. The story of Project Veritas, I've been, I've been hearing murmurs about from sources uh, over the past couple of days and not gotten any strong confirmation. But I do now have the unpublished letter as of the time of recording of this video, unpublished. I don't know, maybe someone will get it uh, out before, before I publish this video. But at the time, the, the document explaining why people are upset with James O'Keefe. And uh, uh, perhaps, you know, I don't know, people may think it's bad to show because it's people posting very critical things about James O'Keefe. But I actually I don't believe much of this. And it seems like, I don't know, man, something's happening that is gutting our efforts to push back on the woke cult. And maybe it is a a byproduct of the fact that we're not a cult, that we don't all all agree, that we don't all get along. Well, we may not. We may not get uh, agree and we may not get along, but this is, is reaching a point of serious concern. And having seen that story earlier about two Republicans being shot and killed, maybe not political, seeing James O'Keefe ousted from Veritas at, at their, their peak moment, I think it's time we, we, we consider minimizing our emotional uh, responses to the drama between each other and maximizing our emotional responses and logical responses to the greater fight at hand. That is to say that if this drama continues between various networks, it will result in um, our failure. I can only put it that way. So while certainly I have my personal feelings, I'm going to start this video out by saying this. To all the people who are uh, upset with me, especially over the video that I, I put out the other day, you know what? I'm going to apologize. Absolutely. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Obviously, we have our differences, and obviously, I feel a certain way. But I don't want to fight with you. Not right now. Not after reading these stories about these murders. Not after seeing what's going on with Project Veritas. And not after Project Veritas did something so important. So, to all of you who are upset, I do apologize because it was stupid. We can't do this. It was stupid considering what's going on with the Daily Wire and Steven Crowder. And I think you guys need to figure out how to work that one out as well. Because this, 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 this one freaked me out. I started, uh, uh, I got to be careful about what I say to protect sources. I'm speaking with journalists based out of, uh, out of New York who, uh, and you've got many leftists who are digging into this story and, you know, it, it doesn't feel right and something feels wrong. And it feels like this may be the biggest threat to our efforts to protect American values, to protect what we believe in, in this country. So we can't have it. So again, I'm not that kind of guy, you know, I'm kind of a, a, a an arrogant narcissist, whatever you want to call me. But uh, I'm going to start this out by saying, Jeremy, Jeremy Hambly, we shouldn't fight. I, 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 have, I, have, I have very little concerns about the, the drama stuff. 
we got to talk about this. This is the big news. We have to come together where we agree. And obviously, me and anybody else is upset outside of Jeremy or anyone else. We're not going to grant a lot of things. But we got to come together and make sure that this man, look, I, I believe in Project Veritas, but I don't know about, I don't know what's going on. I, 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 there's one thing that gives me hope in, 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 in everything we're fighting for and what we're standing up for as it pertains to liberty, individualism, you know, all of these things, honesty, integrity. And it was knowing that there is an upstart ragtag group of individuals pushing back. That Project Veritas, one of the last journalistic organizations in this country with true integrity, and that's what we're trying to build. Okay, so for for that and that being said, I'm done with the drama. I apologize to everybody. Let's not fight. If you want to if you want to be mad at me, please, please continue to do so. But I'm not going to do it. Not right now. Today was crazy. Look, I got I got this letter um, from an internal document released to me by a source. And I started reading it and I thought to myself, we got to get serious. I mean, that Pfizer expose was important. The work that the Daily Wire does is important. The work that Steven Crowder does is also important. And we should not be wasting our time and energy fighting amongst ourselves. That's just my position. And that's the stance I'm going to be taking moving forward. So I'm done with, with any kind of internal conflicts. And I'm going to keep my focus where it matters. What, what is happening with the establishment, this includes Democrats and Republicans, what's going on with war, conflict, and crisis. And, uh, and, and I will stress again, my apologies to, to, to anybody who uh, is upset with how things have gone here. I can only speak for myself, but I'm not going to waste time fighting with you when we shouldn't be. I hope you agree and you don't have to. Let's read this news. And before we get started, become a member at TimCast.com if you like the work that we do. Not everybody does. That's fine. Click the join us button. Last night, we spoke with several members of Congress, and I think it was a particularly good and enlightening show, and it was an honor and a privilege. And that's what we got to focus on. A special shout out to Matt Gates. Uh, Matt, I think you're an inspiration. I, I have tremendous respect for you. He pushed back on McCarthy. He stood up for what he believed in, and now he's standing with him, saying he's giving him an A rating. And I can respect that. I can respect that these individuals are standing, for, standing up for what they believe in, pushing back on what they view as what is wrong. But standing together when they realize that's what has to be done. So let's talk about Project Veritas. First, let me show you the story here from uh, uh, the New York Magazine. James O'Keefe is on paid leave from Project Veritas. Take it with a grain of salt. I have heard this from multiple sources in, uh, uh, in ver- from various news organizations. We're talking about New York, okay? So you need to understand what that probably means. They say James O'Keefe, the founder and chairman Project Veritas has taken a paid leave from the conservative nonprofit media organization as its board considers whether to remove him from his leadership position, according to current and former employees of the organization. An internal message sent to Project Veritas employees by the organization's executive director, Daniel Strack, said that O'Keefe would be taking a few weeks of well-deserved paid time off. An image of the message was shared by a source familiar with the organization's internal operations, and its authenticity was confirmed by a current employee. When reached for comment on his personal cell phone, O'Keefe said nothing in response and didn't respond to follow-up calls and text messages. I can also add, I've reached out to James O'Keefe and received nothing, no response. 
Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Presumably, he's under contract not to speak at this time, but he has not responded to me, and so it is what it is. Through a Project Veritas spokesman, Strack later released a statement on behalf of the organization. He says, like all newsrooms at this stage, the Project Veritas board of directors and management are constantly evaluating what the best path forward is for the organization. The statement read in part, it did not directly address questions about O'Keefe's employment status. There are 65 plus employees at Project Veritas dedicated to continuing the mission to expose corruption, dishonesty, waste, fraud, and other misconduct in both public and private institutions, the statement read. To our supporters, we hear you, we care about you, and we will never give up. O'Keefe is his organization's guiding ideological force and on-screen face, but his status as its day-to-day managers become uncertain amid reports of internal turmoil, lawsuits from former employees, leaks about its internal workings, and a federal investigation into its conduct in purchasing a diary stolen from Ashley Biden. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm now going to show you a letter that reveals the individuals who have sought to oust James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. I stand with James O'Keefe. I believe in James O'Keefe. I know James O'Keefe. Um, I've spoken at, at an event recently when we were in, um, man, where were we just recently? Jeez, oh, I can't even remember where we were. We spoke at a Project Veritas event, and uh, this was in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where we were at TPUSA. James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. And I want to give a shout out. The FBI searches James O'Keefe's home in Ashley Biden diary theft inquiry. He's been the leader. He's been its ideological guiding force, as even leftist news, news publications say. And there's no Project Veritas without him. But that's not what these employees believe. Now, I certainly respect the hard work of everybody at Project Veritas. But the response that they've given in these letters is that, well, I'll put it this way. I want to make sure you understand my perspective on this letter that I'm now going to release, and we will, we will be publishing on TimCast.com so you can read. These individuals, I believe, are exaggerating their claims against James O'Keefe. And that's just my personal perspective based on what I've seen of many of these employees and what I've seen of James O'Keefe. I have interacted with James in his office. I've seen how he talks and works with employees. I have seen him uh, and, and, and heard of his work through other people. The characterization that I see from these employees who are upset with James O'Keefe seems to me to be an inversion that I do not, I do not take what they say. I, look, I'll put it this way. I trust James more than I trust them, and I've not even heard from James. But it seems that many of these people don't like working for him and thus are leaking to New York Mag, to leftist New York publications that would seek to smear and dismantle Project Veritas. And thus, I certainly don't trust them. But when I hear these absurd stories, one of them is James stole a sandwich from a pregnant woman. 
You expect me to believe this stuff? Hmm. I don't know. I can only tell you this to get a little personal. I just find it so strange that all of a sudden in the past couple of weeks, within every facet of the anti-establishment movement, there has been conflict and crisis and infighting. How that happens, I just don't know. And so I made the joke on Twitter that it's, um, it's coordinated. That was a joke. Phase two begins. People, who believed that? Come on, this is Twitter. I'm, I'm always screwing around on Twitter. I won't be engaging in this anymore. So again, I've already said several times I apologize because we can't do this, guys. This, is, this, this, this letter shouldn't happen. Okay, if you don't want to work for James, you leave. If James really is a bad guy, you leave. But to leak internal communications to New York Mag, etc., this is where I, get, I start to question, who is it within this organization, a mole perhaps, that's sowing discord and seeking to take down Project Veritas, especially at a time when they just came out with a major expose against Pfizer? I hope you all consider that. And so again, I'm not going to participate in this. I will not be in it. I will not be party to the destruction of the only thing standing in between psychotic international corporate interests and those of us who believe in the values of our country. I'll do the best I can. I'm not perfect. Here's the letter, 11 pages long. To Project Veritas Board of Directors, Project Veritas Action Board of Directors and Executive Management. Note, the opinions and data shared and anecdotes were compiled by one third of the Project Veritas staff representing every department. Not all signed this letter, but all had compelling reason to contribute. Subsignatories have not been the subject of abuse nor witnessed any abuse, but found the corroborated behavior troubling and were willing to sign. That is a very important statement y'all need to understand. That is to say, some people don't even know if these claims are true, but decided to sign it any. Wait, 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 wait. Are you kidding? They, they, let, me, let me say this. Some signatories have not been the subject of abuse, nor witnessed any abuse. That is right at the top of this letter. There are people who signed this letter seeking to oust James O'Keefe, who witnessed nothing and experienced nothing. Who the, is seeking to destroy this organization? That's my question. The undersigned are troubled and frustrated with James' management style and business acumen. These behaviors and actions are antithetical to our core values. And it came to a head this week. Most recently, the treatment of Barry Hingley and Tom O'Hara, these two highly respected individuals, did what they thought was right for the betterment of the organization and got berated in public on Tuesday and effectively terminated on Thursday. In in an image, Barry Hingley says, team, last night I stood up to a bully and was fired. Management by shaming and bullying is never acceptable and it doesn't belong in the workplace. I won't tolerate it personally or on behalf of my coworkers, direct reports. I'm proud to say I stand by my actions. It was an honor to work with you. As they say, be brave, do something. These actions led to the immediate communications between concerned Project Veritas members. Over the past two days, we collected additional examples of behavior which crossed the line. The following bulleted items came from individuals who are edited as little as possible to keep the spirit of everyone's individual thoughts. Now, this is my personal bias, but upon reading these stories, I got to say, I don't buy it. You're telling me that people signed this letter without being witness to any abuse nor experiencing any of any of it. But then we have these anecdotes that are either character attacks that explain no real grievance or outright insane stories. Consider this. The first bullet point. James has become a power drunk tyrant and he is exactly who he pontificates on who we should be exposing. That has accused him of nothing other than you're saying you don't like him. Tell me why or anyone why James has done something inappropriate. The bullet point should read something like, James yesterday uh, 
was irate and yelled at an employee over a minor infraction. I find this unbecoming. No, they just say we attack his character. That explains nothing to me. The next. I'm on the side of holding James accountable for, for his behavior that has damaged important relationships inside and outside of Project Veritas. A great example is Spencer Meads and Eric Cochran. Both left because they were so abused and overworked. Eric Cochran was asked to do a lie detector, I believe. I believe. And James would make derogatory statements about him to the staff because he was unhappy that Eric left. James went as far as to call Spencer a pussy in Vegas. And Spencer heard him say it. Both of these guys were mission driven and suffered through it. They were raided. And James still called Spencer that name. He never forgave them for making decisions to leave for their own mental well-being. I'm not going to sit here and pretend all of these are, ma- are, are fabricated. I'm certain that James O'Keefe, he may be a tough guy to work for. But my point is this. Project Veritas is too important. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I might be arrogant enough to where I'm just like, I don't care about this stuff. But I get really worried when I'm like, OK, if these guys are being ripped apart, if James is put on leave over this stuff, man, we're in, we're in bigger trouble than just whatever drama, you know, we may be experiencing on YouTube or something. I'm not going to read every single uh, um, bullet point. There, there are some that I find completely absurd, noting that he took a sandwich from a pregnant woman. They say at Democracy Partners Trial in Public, I was yelled at in front of jurors because he was hungry. And then he took the eight month pregnant woman's sandwich. Is that the employee who got yelled at? Seriously? I find that very strange. Barry, Dan, Tom and Eric were the subject of bullying. On the leadership meeting with at least 10 people present, no productive outcome resulted that needed to a forum of everyone present. After all these bullet points of complaints, they go on and, and we'll publish the full document at TimCast.com, breaking down the story so you can understand what the complaints are. And then um, individuals, I suppose, can seek to corroborate them. They say, generally, these patterns of behavior severely limit our ability to execute the Project Veritas mission. And we feel it's our duty as employees and leaders of Project Veritas that care about its future to have a voice and demand a needed change. We ask the board to address the following. Cease bullying and erratic behavior. Cease micromanaging. Cease undermining. Ensure controls are implemented to execute on the above without fear of personal reprisal. This is, my friends, in no, uh, 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 well, I'll put it this way. It's a coup against James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. He is its leader. Because of the structure of Project Veritas, they've been able to oust the man who made it all possible and who leads this mission. I disagree with it. I have a Twitter thread I want to show you. We can see here the undersigned. And this is important. The many people who signed this, I won't read all of their names. You can see them. And again, we'll, we'll publish this uh, at, at TimCast.com. You can see who came out and signed a letter against Project Veritas. If you don't want to work for him, don't work for him. But to remove him from Veritas is only to destroy Veritas and the work that they do. But of course, in text messages, we can see many of these people held themselves above him. Everyone is righteously upset because of James. I hope James can realize we're doing this out of love for the mission. This is our moment to make history from the employees that both signed and didn't sign. It's not about sucking. It's about being able to do with do it without him because the brand is more powerful than any one individual. There is no there is honestly no Project Veritas without us. This is a coup against James O'Keefe. I have a Twitter thread from Swig. Swig, uh, old, uh, old Rose Swig on Twitter says, a whistleblower has contacted me about the news that James O'Keefe has was put on leave and stripped of all authority at Veritas. This is difficult for me to publish as a staunch supporter of Veritas for years and even a VIP at their events. I can say similarly, 
I don't know if you consider me a, a VIP. I guess in Phoenix I was, and I got on stage, and I said very good things about them because I think what James O'Keefe does is important. I know the story, uh, history, to a certain degree of James O'Keefe. We've had him on the show several times. And look, man, what I see is text messages from employees saying, we are Project Veritas, not James. That is not true. You are all who work at Project Veritas respected, in my opinion, except for this, mind you, because it isn't just James who does this. It's the whistleblowers. It's the journalists who go on the ground. But you have just lopped off your, your, your head. You've cut off your nose to spite your face. I don't understand how someone could enter an organization founded and led by an individual and then come to the conclusion that they're the reason it works and then destroy it. I think y'all got to stop fighting, man. I think we got to stop fighting. This stuff scares me. Maybe, maybe it all it comes crashing. Swig says James is, at a bit of, uh, is a bit of a victim of poor corporate structure, as Project Veritas is two separate organizations, the 501c3, which had very, very few board members, and the majority of the money, and a 501c4, which had significantly more members but less money. According to my source, the situation has, uh, has allowed two alleged ringleaders of this attempt to push James out to have significant sway over the others, despite their reason to be essentially meritless. Board members and C-suite officers involved in this, according to my sources, are Matt Termond, the ringleader, John Garvey, George Skakel, Joseph Barton, and Steve Alambic, CFO Tom O'Hara, and COO Barry Hinckley. Ringleader, pronouns in bio. How did this person get a job at Project Veritas? Pronouns in bio. Again, I go back to this, to this uh, uh, the, the, the document in question that outlined their, their demands. And then we have Project Veritas's ethical values, their core mission statement, and their rules. And that's how the letter ends. No more fake urgency. Quite literally was screaming so wildly and loudly within inches of my face that it, that it indeed happened. Rule one, you can't spit an employee's face over a tweet. True story. Yeah, it sounds like he didn't. It sounds like he was yelling at somebody. Inappropriate, perhaps. But I'm worried that the destruction of Project Veritas ain't worth it. They say we are writing this because we value the organization that James has built and what we've become. No one else is doing the work of Project Veritas and we love it. What we do for our audience, we do incredibly well. However, we can't become even greater until we unleash the full potential of the organization and its people. The only product we have is the material that comes from the people in this organization. If we don't make these changes, we will fail to attract and retain the best people. We have the moral courage to say what needs to be said. Continue down the path we are on, and you will have an army of yes men who wouldn't dare pen this letter. We are resilient. Failure is not an option. Be brave. Do something. There's a list of individuals who signed this letter, as stated previously in the letter, who, some of them, have not been the subject of abuse nor witnessed any abuse, but found the corroborated behavior troubling enough. Is the corroborated behavior emerging from an individual with pronouns in his bio? I wonder. Apparently, that may be the case. I don't know where James O'Keefe goes after this, but I know that wherever he does go, that will be the real Project Veritas. Many people believe that this is Pfizer. Be considering the work that he just did and the expose they did, they just took out the individual who made it all possible. During Occupy Wall Street, there was a, a, a strong movement by individuals to resist any identifiable leaders. And they said, if you do that, 
the machine will figure out who to smear, defame, and destroy to plaster the, the, the besmirchment, whatever you call it, on the entire movement. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. How smart of them. Got to be honest. But, they, but the machine eventually figures out how to control these people. Project Veritas, unfortunately, is not immune to these factors. Source, quote, the board held a six and a half hour struggle session with James where they subjected him to constant derision and insults at the insistence of Termond, O'Hara and Hinckley. About 10 employees aired their grievances about James, which essentially boiled down to him being a tough boss to work for. At the end of this six hour struggle session, Tiermond and fellow board member John Garvey put him on leave and stripped him of all authority. It was literally a Stalinist kangaroo court. The thing that is so very profound to me is that no one seems to grasp John Garvey and the rest of the board did nothing to stop it. Matt Termond had it all scripted all six effing hours. This comes in the immediate aftermath of Project Veritas's greatest moment ever, exposing corruption at Pfizer, which my source thought was ex- extremely suspicious timing. Your boot, you boot the founder right after your biggest win of all time? Veritas must explain the situation. My source believes that with enough public support, James could win back support of the 501c4 board. So please retweet and your voice. My understanding is that the individuals who signed this letter were hoping to oust James O'Keefe, but it's backfiring because this stuff wasn't supposed to come out. Somebody leaked it to the press and here we go. And there are people within Project Veritas who are rejecting what they view as lies and manipulations. All I can say is the sources that I've spoken with, the letter that I've received and my understanding of these conversations I've spoken with several people. They believe, based on their understanding of these events and the things they've learned, there's an attempt to damage Project Veritas. these, These accusations are exaggerations to an extreme degree, falsely framed to make James seem like a tyrant, when at the very worst case, he's just a tough boss. I think the most revealing fact here is that the letter actually says, and I know I'm stressing this again, that there are people who did not witness this nor experience it who signed the letter. How could it then be that you you ousted James O'Keefe? If what what does it mean? Does it mean one person had 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 a gripe with James? So everyone else signed on to it? No, they think they are Project Veritas. Project Veritas is founded and led by James O'Keefe. He is Project Veritas. Without him, you have nothing. And don't get me wrong, James needs you too. Project Veritas relies on its journalists, its legal capabilities, its donors. But with no James, do you really believe anyone's going to stand behind Project Veritas? It's not going to happen. I won't. Who are they going to have come out and lead and be the face of the organization? Sorry, I won't. But at the same time, I do understand the importance of the organization. They've re- released this statement, which I, which I did read. There are 65 plus employees at Project Veritas dedicated to continuing the mission to expose corruption, dishonesty, waste, fraud, and other misconduct. We can see the response. Cat Turd says, huge mistake. 
Lori Mills, big mistake. The people know who is Project Veritas, kind of like when the Apple board removed Steve Jobs. Hope you thought this through. It's a very, it's a tremendous mistake. James O'Keefe has worked very, very hard. I've communicated with him. You can see trending right now. He is Project Veritas. Also trending was James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. You know, let me speak to my bias on this one and why outside of all the political conflict, I don't believe it. I've personally experienced disgruntled employees who've lied about me. Oh, there's so many stories to tell. I've been personally threatened with extortion. I probably shouldn't say too much, but I'm going to. Man, I just love spilling the beans, don't I? I have been threatened with uh, criminal activities, extortion, lies, smears. I've had former employees make up fake stories about me to the press. Yet for some reason, people seem to like working here. And that's why I don't believe this. Here's what I think is more likely. James O'Keefe calls out what he would view as malfeasance or inappropriate behavior. James O'Keefe may be a tough boss to work for. I can accept that. Why not? But I don't even know if that's true. An employee who believes that they are Project Veritas and then wants to implement certain plans or do certain things is then told no. So what do they do? They go around generating grievances. I've seen this at various nonprofits, and this is the problem with working for a nonprofit that has a board that can remove you. I worked for nonprofits that would fire every single person in the office. I don't know what the legality is, but here's what would happen. An employee would get disgruntled, demoralized, like morale, not, you know, morals. And then they would go to another employee and say, aren't you mad? Aren't you mad? And this negativity mind virus spreads. Management at multiple nonprofits told me this. You must purge the entire office because the demoralization spreads to every single person. And I said, that's insane. How about you just reboost morale? And they say, because it's too difficult. One person gets angry. Maybe they did something wrong. Maybe they committed a company infraction and got written up. Now they're pissed. They go to another employee and say, did you see this? Did you see that? And then what do we get? Employees who have not witnessed nor experienced abuse sign a letter demanding quote unquote accountability. This reeks of fake BS to me. Veritas, you need to get your act together. James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. And if James O'Keefe leaves, he can start any organization and he will get the donors because they believe in him. And you want to come out and say he's a tough boss to work for? Sounds like he's the kind of guy for the job because it's a tough job to have. I'll wrap it up by saying this. We're going to do at TimCast.com. We'll have a a bigger write up on this showing the letter and and the accusations made. And uh, that opening statement is the most important, in my opinion. But I'm going to stress it again. I'm done fighting. I'm done. I'm done arguing with people who we should be agreeing with. Maybe we as two different factions on the Internet disagree with each other on, on, on core issues. Maybe you think I did something wrong and I think you care about things that are, are not, not, not relevant. Let's agree to disagree and, and then agree that that's not the biggest problem we face. And the biggest problem we face is, for one, Project Veritas falling apart, two, the, the woke cult and the things they're doing and the lies they're pushing and protecting this country, securing our borders, making this nation better, believing in our, in, in, in our core values, calling out the lies from the corporate press. And then after that, once we've secured that and pushed out the insanity, 
Let's start debating amongst ourselves once again. But I'm done with it. That's just me. So uh, I will say it directly and explicitly. I can't speak for anybody else. I can't speak. uh, Look, I can't even speak for the journalists at TimCast.com because I, I do not have editorial control over what they write. They write what they want. But I will say this explicitly to Jeremy Hambly. I apologize. I don't want to fight with you. This story's bigger, and you, I think you agree. So that's it for me. I'm, 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 I'm over it. This, uh, this, this story's, this is, this is bad, okay? It's not just this one story. It's seeing those two Republicans get shot and killed. It's seeing the, the, the Crowder Daily Wire infighting. Yeah, we're going to lose this one if we keep doing this. So let's not. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. Uh, TimCast News. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The unraveling has begun. You didn't think it was a coincidence, did you? I mean, come on. We've had so much weird infighting and drama at the start of this year. It certainly had to be planned out by someone or something. Man, taking a look at this story from Deadline, State of the Union TV viewership falls 29% to 27.3 million, according to Nielsen. People aren't even watching the president anymore. I wonder where everybody went. You know, not only that, as I mentioned, it feels like everything's kind of coming unraveled. You've got all this weird drama. You got Daily Wire and Steven Crowder. You've got me, obviously, and everybody who's complaining about that. You got uh, James O'Keefe being put on paid leave from Project Veritas. I mean, we'll talk about uh, that a, a bit more later on. But everything's just unraveling. You know, it's like we live in a simulation or something, and it's all just going belly up. But I really do have questions about this. I mean, where are people going? Are they just not watching the State of the Union anymore? I mean, where are they? Last year, with the previous State of the Union, I think it was last year, you had, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure, 30, uh, you know, let me just pull up the stats. I think it was uh, 38.2 million, which actually was, was an uptick from 2021. Now, to understand this, 2021 was not a State of the Union. It's an inaugural address. That's why they put an asterisk, asterisk on them, but it's a presidential address to the nation. So it's very similar. So, when Joe Biden gets elected, it's only 26.9 million. It was even lower. Then you have the first State of the Union. And, th- and this one makes sense. I, 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 I thought Biden like skipped one or something. I don't know. It was delayed. That's what it was. It was like the longest delay since Jimmy Carter or something like that. But then you have uh, his next one, which is 38 million. So we're like, hey, OK, that's, that's pretty good. Under Donald Trump, there was a resurgence because during, during Obama, you know, it's down to the 30s. Trump gets elected. It's 31. Then Trump has three State of the Union addresses, 47.7 million, 45.6, 46.8. And this is where I think it, this is what I think matters to bring up in this context, because people might try and make the argument that the reason the ratings are down for Joe Biden in his State of the Union address has to do with changing viewership patterns and all that. But that's not true. The previous year was 38.2. People really were interested to see what he had to say, and they watched and didn't watch as much as they watched Donald Trump or, you know, Barack Obama in his first term, but they watched. But this time around, they ain't watching. And there's a huge drop off here. It makes me wonder. There's a lot of things that are going on that make me wonder, you know, and certainly everybody says we live in a, or not everybody, but a lot of people say we live in a simulation, but it really does feel coordinated and planned. Like, how is all this drama happening right now, right at the start of this year? Isn't that weird? Haven't you thought that's weird? It's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It does feel like it's unraveling. And one of the things I've been talking about with jobs, uh, with with a lack of employment and homelessness, 
System must be busted. I think the system is busted, and I think the information we're getting is probably busted as well. And so, you know, y'all come to me, and I try my best to break down what's really going on. But it's all based on the same reporting. You know, so CNN will come out and say X, Y, and Z, and then I'll find out it's actually X, Y, and 2, and the Z was actually fake news. But everybody still believes the X and the Y. You know what I mean? Like ABC, here are the variables. And I'm like, hey, B is actually not correct. CNN's lying, but certain elements we understand to be true. How do we know any of it's true? We really don't. I mean, for the news team over at TimCast.com, we do boots on the ground reporting, quite literally boots on the ground. But then I also mean like the, the grunt work of making the phone calls, getting comments and fact checking. So we try to make sure as much as possible is true and correct. But it really does feel like to me, the system is unraveling. The reason I bring that point up, and, the, and, and we'll read this and I'll talk about it. You know, people uh, are, 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 are these, these polls are coming out, Axios, Gallup. People are way worse off now than they've ever been. But I remember talking about, uh, I think it was Memorial Day last year. We went to go see a movie and there was nobody anywhere. Just there was, we went to the, we went to this big shopping center, this big mall, like strip mall, not like, you know, indoor mall. Not, nobody was anywhere. I'm looking around. I'm like, where, where did everybody go? No, for real. Like, where, did, did they get raptured? Think about this. Twitter numbers are way down. Retweets and engagement are gone. Is, it, is something happening? Something happening we don't know about? I don't know. I don't know. It feels weird, though, doesn't it? Joe Biden's State of the Union viewership falls 30%. That's interesting. Is it really that nobody cares about the president anymore and what's happening in this country? Perhaps. But at the same time, why is it that everyone's complaining on Twitter that they're not getting any engagement anymore? Is it a coincidence that there's nobody to fill jobs? Is it a coincidence that nobody's watching TV? Is it a coincidence that people are saying their views are down? Is it a coincidence that people are saying they're not getting any engagement on social media? All these things are coincidences. Or I'm just saying, you know, did the rapture happen? I don't know, because I didn't see anybody floating up naked into the sky. That's the joke I told Seamus Coglin when we're looking at these stores struggling to hire people. Ratings plummeting. Where is everybody? Maybe we really do live in a simulation and they're winding it down. It's an MMORPG and uh, it's, it's on its last leg. Earth has been in, you know, it's, it's been running for thousands of years and they're just tired and they're like, look, man, the game's run its course. We, we don't even know what to do anymore. Think about like the first release, Humanity 1.0, this really great game where you're in, you know, ancient Babylon or Sumeria and you're farming and it's really fun and they keep patching and updating. It's kind of like World of Warcraft. You know, at a certain point, I'm just like, I don't know if you guys ever played World of Warcraft. At a certain point, I'm like, the game doesn't work anymore. I'm bored. It just doesn't work. The original run was fun. You get all these expansions. You get European expansion, Earth expansion number 700, colonial Europe, and then like colonization expansion. Then you get the United States and you get the World Wars. And now the writers are just like, I don't. I don't even, we can do like a Trump Biden thing. We can do like a left versus right thing. We can do a culture war thing. Really, we're just out of ideas. And so people are leaving the game. It's getting boring. I mean, in all seriousness though, like, like, I don't know the actual reason, but for real, let me ask you this question. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Why did we just have all this drama erupt literally in the past like two or three weeks? For real. Like James O'Keefe just got ousted from Project Veritas. Why? That's weird. You know, I'm I'm having my thing where I'm like, unfollow me. I don't care anymore. That's just me, I guess. And then you've got uh, the Daily Wire and Steven Crowder. Ratings are in decline. I don't know, man. It just really does feel weird. That's all I can really say. It just all feels weird. How's your morning going? I was just last night hanging out with a bunch of members of Congress. That was pretty fun. But it, it, it is really difficult outside of any kind of um, weird arguments about simulation theory and silliness like that. It is really hard to care about any of this stuff anymore. Politicians don't listen. People don't care about making the world a better place. Culture and ideologies are fractured and shattered across the board. And we're, we're, we're creating tribal pockets that are getting smaller and smaller. That's the thing to me about, I don't know if you guys watched my uh, segment yesterday at youtube.com slash Timcast. And all the people who unfollowed me saying, oh, you're turning on your fans or whatever. It's like, my, man, look, I got to tell you. It's just, it doesn't seem to, 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 to matter. You know, there, there are so many people that care about things that just don't, don't matter. You know, what do we do? You know, you know what I think matters? Let me show you this. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Axios reports. Half of Americans have the financial blues. The share of Americans who say they are financially worse off than a year ago. It's 50%. 50% of people now say they are worse off than they were a year ago. And last year, it was around 43%. And the year before, it was around 30, uh, 37%. And the year before, it was around 25%. Under Donald Trump, uh, it was uh, uh, going down. You can see right here in, in the Trump era, it's going down. I just don't know what's going on. I, I, I got to be honest. It just feels like people have lost interest in everything pertaining to any overarching culture. And I kind of feel like that's the intent. And that's why I made the joke, or was it a joke, that it's all planned and phase two begins now. I don't know if you saw the tweet. I said, you know, did you really think it was a coincidence? Steven Crowder and the Daily Wire, me and the quartering and Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. Phase two begins soon. No, I just think that um, there's not much to really care about. And that's the gosh darn truth. What do you care about? Seriously, comment. Do you care about, I don't know, the price of eggs? Do you care about free speech? Do you care about, uh, I don't know, internet drama? Do you care about me? It's kind of crazy. It's kind of weird. People don't seem to care about Joe Biden anymore. So what are they doing and what are they talking about? Are they tuning things out? Are people just saying, I'm out, I'm done? Maybe. Maybe that's what this really is. Let me show you this, too, because the interesting thing here is, is, is young people. Deadline reports. President Joe Biden's State of the Union address drew an estimated 27.3 million viewers, a drop of 29% from last year. I round up, say, 30. It's easier. That figure is the lowest audience for a State of the Union in at least 30 years, according to Nielsen Records. 
Biden's 20, 2021 speech to a joint session of Congress drew 26.9 million, but that event coming just a couple of months into his presidency was not an official State of the Union speech. The Nielsen figures were measured of 16 TV networks. Last year, 38.2 million watched across 16. Nielsen said that 59% watched broadcast network coverage and 41% watched cable coverage. Now, one thing, take this out. In the 25 to 54-year-old demo, ABC posted 1.08 million viewers. That's pretty good. NBC with a million. Fox News with 846,000. CBS with 708,000. CNN with 646. MSNBC with 496. And Fox Broadcasting with 509,000. Well, they beat us. For the time slot, we had only 200,000 in the key demo. But you know what? You know, we typically beat CNN and MSNBC in the key demo on any normal given night. And last night we had also around 200,000. So, hey, it is what it is. It was a late show, too, and it went long. So it is kind of jamming all their numbers into one time slot. Normally, their viewers are split up over the hour. But this was, you know, I think this actually was just an hour. So, you know, whatever. The audience for the State of the Union may have been impacted by TNT's NBA coverage. As LeBron James broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's NBA scoring record, the game started in the latter part of Biden's speech, according to... (laughs) Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it, honestly. People care more about that than anything else. I kind of don't believe it, though. But I suppose when you're worse off than you've been in a long time, take a look at this. In 2020, people said they were better off, 59%. That was during a pandemic. And then in January 2023, 50% say they're worse off. When you're worse off and things are bad, maybe you don't want to hear from the guy who's making it bad. Maybe you want to hear or you just want to tune it out. You want to watch basketball. Me? I kind of feel like it's all crumbling down. I feel like our culture is, is breaking apart. I feel like that's, uh, you, you can see it in Stop Big Con. You can see it in whatever stupid YouTube drama involving me is going on. Because it wasn't just the corner. There's a whole bunch of people. And now you can see it with Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. Excuse me. After one of the most consequential exposés they've ever done, they put James O'Keefe on paid leave. Yeah, I got to be honest, man. It ain't fun. And, and, and it's hard to know what makes it all worth it. But I'll tell you, internet drama, I don't know, the, 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 the political tribalism, it's certainly not worth it. It's better to improve yourself, exercise, eat right, and focus on family than it is to focus on, focus on any of this stuff. The challenge I face in, is that, you know, when it comes to the drama Anything involving me, because it happens all the time, and I'm just, I'm just over it. I really don't care. I'm over it. Having, having people like you, have, you get media matters. They're actually not the worst. The Young Turks and whoever else just lie about you nonstop all day, every day, and you're just like reality. There's no, there's no cohesive reality. Okay, these liberals, they're living in a fake world. But now you've got the further bifurcation. You've got everybody fighting everybody else. These three big drama moments happening in the past month. Everybody's fighting each other. The worldviews are fracturing. And I'm like, what does any of that matter? Are you going to be honest about what's going on? Or are you just going to say whatever you need to say and lie to your viewers in order to get clicks? Because that's just stupid. I'm over it, man. No, people are tuning out Joe Biden. People are tuning out the government. And there's a problem with that. What I want to focus on is why are your, why are your food costs so high? 
And if they keep going up, what are you going to do? What I want to focus on is, have you noticed how very few people there are when you walk around? Serious question. Have you noticed how very few people there are when you walk around? Go do that. Go to your, go to your main street. Go to your grocery store. Go to your shopping center. Where's everybody? Legit question. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying they're not coming out anymore at the very least. They're not taking jobs. Stores struggle to reopen. People aren't watching TV. The ratings are in the gutter. Where the, did everybody go? What are they doing? I've been asking this for the past couple of years. No idea. No idea. You know, there's a bunch of wild conspiracies you can believe in. Maybe people's lives are just so bad, they're getting back to the grind. But if that were the case, people would be working jobs. If people's lives really were worse off, like these polls are saying, wouldn't they be paying attention to Joe Biden? And wouldn't they be taking these jobs? But they're not. And we've ended the stimulus stuff. We're not giving out this money anymore. So where are people? And how? Well, Ian Crossland on Timcast Hour brought up an interesting point. Homeless. Well, if they're homeless, they're not watching TV. If they're homeless, they're not working jobs. If they're homeless, they're not involved in the political conversation at all. So maybe that's what we're looking at. You and I, those of you who are watching, the, 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 the people on the life rafts, I guess, the Titanic took a hit. The ship is sinking. And many people are in the water desperate. And that's why homelessness is through the roof, mental illness, etc. And so they're tuned out. They are now outside the system. You're not going to be paying attention to a debate between Joe Biden and anybody else. You're not going to be paying attention to drama. People are then going to suffer ratings losses and they're going to lose their minds. Now, I don't know uh, how that, you know, creates a ripple effect into, say, like Stephen Crowder in The Daily Wire or anything like that. I can certainly tell you that it results in the drama pertaining to me in that people become desperate for traffic because nothing's getting clicks anymore. So they try and make shock content up. Then I simply respond by saying, y'all are crackpots. I don't care about make up your fake garbage all day and night. I'm not interested in participating in your drama. And then you get drama out of it. The last the last gasp, I guess, you know, is that it? You know, online viewership is, is declining as it has been. And people become more and more desperate to generate views. I ain't going to do it, man. I tell you, you guys know it. I'll go live in a van down by the river if I have to. I would sleep in a tent under a bridge before I would bend the knee for any crackpot who made demands of me and told me I had to live a certain way. But maybe that's for a lot of people. Maybe they're just like, I don't want to be involved in this. And they'd rather go live in a tent under a bridge and just chill. Granted, I don't think you have to. I think there's opportunity in going to the middle of nowhere and raising some chickens which is, of course, what I, what I talk about all the time. But I, I, I am curious as to where this all goes in 2023. I don't know. We got war. We got crazy news reporting that should probably be like the biggest story in the world you'd think would generate tens of millions of views for the news about Nord Stream being blown up by frogmen, Norway working with the United States. I think it was at Seymour Hersh reporting on that or something. The U.S., of course, denying it. But where's all that news? I don't know. What do people care about these days? Maybe we've gotten to the point where life's just too good. No, serious. Life is just too good. We got food at your beck and call. Drive five minutes and there's gasoline and there's food, anything you can think of. You can get avocados right now in, Jan- in February, in January, in December. Winter strawberries. It's just so crazy. Maybe, maybe humans get to that point 
where we want for nothing. And then we go through an existential crisis. I think that might be it. You know, I, I had a buddy who became extremely wealthy when he was a teenager. He uh, created a software program and uh, all of a sudden he was famous. He's meeting politicians. It was cybersecurity stuff. And then he ends up making several, his net worth jumps to like $4 million by the time he's 18. And he has no idea what to do. He told me that when this happens, people have an existential crisis. To go from having to work and, and, and work your hands to the bone to being so wealthy you never have to work again, they take, they take pause and say, now what? What's the point of any of this? What am I doing? They lose cause. They lose purpose. We then end up seeing tribalism and internet drama because people are desperate for some kind of cause or purpose. I think that's what we're seeing now with all the drama igniting. There ain't any. We get it. Joe Biden sucks. The economy is bad. Things are getting worse. So people in their desperate attempt to fill their addiction to some kind of cause, fill that gap. Now you've got Project Veritas. You've got me. You've got uh, uh, Daily Wire and Crowder. You've got people, Eliza Blue, like they're desperate to be mad about something because what else are they going to talk about? I'd rather just not talk about any of it. Go play video games. That, this is why if you guys have uh, have seen, you know, the, the drama stuff, I've been telling people like, if you're a crybaby, just get out. Don't follow me. I don't want your money. I don't need your money. I don't want to be famous. I don't want you to like me. I don't need you to know who I am. I did this segment yesterday talking about it, addressing like all these different channels. Because I, I just feel like too many people are desperate for something to care about. Well, maybe I just gave them something to care about, I guess. I understand the irony of being like drama is dumb and then making drama. But hey, of all the people who talk about it, I talk about it the least. So I get my, I get my one you know, time to talk about it. But that's what I really feel. I, I feel like we know everything's bad. There's nothing we can do about it. Complaining about it for the hundredth time won't do anything. I skipped my 4 p.m. segment on Friday last week, because there was nothing to talk about. And I'm not going to make some stupid garbage drama video just to fill time. They were talking about Joe Biden and the document scandal over and over and over again. At a certain point, I'm like, we get it. I just don't care anymore. We know. And where do you go from there? That's the question. When it comes to the ratings for Joe Biden, when it comes to drama and conflict, where do you go when we know Joe Biden's corrupt, the media lies, wokeness is bad. Where do you go? Well, people start pointing at each other. That's apparently the best way to go about doing it. It's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll complain about something. And that opens the door to bot farms and PR firms. And it is really easy. It is really easy. You know, man, I got half a mind to just take my van and go down by the river. Mark my words. Because I've been talking about that for some time. And uh, it's, no, it's no idle threat. The, 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 the obsession with needing something to complain about is just so pathetic. You know? I'm just not into it. If that's what, if that's what the next era is going to be in, ter- in this year in terms of media or whatever, is just complaining about inconsequential things or infighting, count me out. Yo, you know, there are people who live in this weird world. They, they really do live in this weird world where they, they think everybody wants the same thing they do. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They think, you know, you've got these, this, this, this drama YouTube stuff. You've got media matters. You've got partisan tribalism where they call everybody grifters. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, man? You want to know who the real grifters are? It's the people who are making videos with shock titles and content to try and drum up clicks. And perhaps you'll say, Tim, you do that too. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm innocent. I'm just going to say, yeah, probably. And I often self-reflect in that regard. But it's just so mind-numbing when it's stretched beyond all reasonable, all recognition. Like, come on, man. If I make a video and say, like, you know, Biden document scandal expose, you know, Biden leaked emails expose, you know, uh, collusion, uh, illicit business dealings with China. I'm like, that literally happened. That literally is my opinion on what this is. But what if I made a video where it's like proof Joe Biden so- sells out United States to uh, uh, to China and is traitor? You know what I mean? I mean, even then, it's kind of like, okay, fine, I get it. But then you start getting people who are just so desperate. They're like, let's talk about each other. Okay, fine, whatever, man. I'm not interested. I'm really not. You know, and this is my point. It's kind of interesting. I did this big thing. It was like an hour long yesterday complaining. You get, you know, just what I, that's what I do on the internet. I whinge. I complain for a living. Welcome to Timcast. And I'm talking about, you know, uh, um, the Young Turks, Hassan, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, you know, the quartering, Sam Cedar, these people who just like, why do you care about me? I mean, man, imagine doing having a job where you complain about somebody who complains about things. That's the recursion that I'm just like the recursive loop where I'm just like, we are truly all of us despicable. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what you do, but humans must be entertained, I guess. So. But I, I see this, right? The, the, the ratings for, for Joe Biden. And I'm like, people don't care, man. They don't care and I don't care. So I'm right there with you, I suppose. People aren't watching his State of the Union address. That's what we covered. We, we did that show. What do people care about? I'm willing to bet the Super Bowl ratings this Sunday aren't going to be that good. I mean, they'll be okay, but I bet they're going to go down. Because it feels like people are just tuning out from everything. They're not working jobs. They're not paying attention to politics. They're not paying attention to pop culture. Seems like they all got raptured. And maybe that's it. Maybe they're all just dying suddenly. And that's why we're seeing so many news reports. I don't know. Maybe. Perhaps, perhaps not. I'll just tell you, man. The one thing you can count on from me is I'm just going to tell you exactly what I think. And uh, especially now, I'm, I'm real done being nice and pulling punches for people. You know, if, they're, if, if I'm just, it's whatever, man. You know, perhaps I'll say this early on. There's always a fear everybody has of some kind of cancel culture. And you want to make sure that you're right and you're not wrong. And uh, and that is for people on the left. It's like, oh, you can't play Hogwarts legacy because, oh, geez, you're transphobic or whatever. Go go live in your stupid world where you're living under the boot of a mob. I won't do it. But the right has it, too. You know, Tim Pool, complain about Eliza Blue or also unfollow you. I don't care. Dude, cancel me. I don't care. Unfollow me. Unsubscribe. You know, if you thought you were going to come to this channel and I'm going to be somebody or, or at any point who is going to play the same game as those people, I just don't care, man. 
I'm so sick of the fakeness. I'm so sick of the BS, you know. So let's figure out what we can do. Let's figure out how to make people care about this stuff. Maybe you can't. Maybe we're just market saturated with media content like this. So if that's the case, I don't know, we'll launch a skate show. We'll just do whatever. Podcast market saturation. How about that? There's just too much. Anybody can listen to anything at any time and get whatever opinion they want. Pick your opinion. It's there for you. You want to hear someone parrot back your thoughts to you? You can find it. Congratulations. They're there. They exist. You want to be, you want to feel angry about something so there's cause in your life? Hey, I'm right here, buddy. Be mad at me. Fine. I don't care. I just kind of feel like maybe the implosion happened and maybe we will now go back to people worrying about family, but maybe that's it too. Maybe people don't have family. So they're just desperately trying to find some kind of mission. I don't know. Maybe it popped. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Uh, next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, I guess. Uh, we'll probably talk about Project Veritas and stuff. Should be interesting. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for sticking with me. And uh, see you all then. Some people have asked me about uh, Project Veritas, and they want me to cover the story about James O'Keefe. If you've heard, he's been put on paid leave or something, something to that effect. And... Um, I will have uh, at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast uh, a story about this and some new information and confirmation and details. Been working behind the scenes to cover this story. But for now, for this, uh, as I'm still working on the story and and collecting uh, the details, we're going to talk about another shocking story. This is from Timcast.com. Second New Jersey Republican elected official shot and killed within a week. Authorities have not identified a motive, but confirmed the victim was the intended target. My friends, this is the second New Jersey Republican that has been shot and killed. The story, um, the previous story was Eunice Dwumfer, the first black woman elected and a Republican, was targeted and I'd say assassinated. We don't necessarily know the motives, but typically when you're dealing with politicians being killed, assassination. I guess the difference between murder and assassination is, is it political or is it personal? And I can't speak for this guy, but it certainly does sound like the targeted killing of Eunice Duomfor probably leans into the political to a certain degree, especially now considering that we have two stories of two different Republicans who have been shot and killed. Yeah, it seems like this is political. And it, and it, and it really does make me take stock of everything that's going on right now, because there is a lot of tension, conflict and drama. And... Um, This one's been interesting. You know, uh, hearing of the news about Veritas, obviously stop Big Con, the drama there. Obviously, there are people who uh, are feuding with me, who are upset with me. And it's making me think, yo, we we it's time to stop. You know, two two Republicans were just shot and killed in the past week. We got to figure this one out. And uh, and the fracturing is probably a very, very. It's a it's a it's it's very, very dangerous right now when we need to be focused on the real dangers that we face as a country. I'll talk more about that um, at 4 p.m. because I, I, have, uh, I have some information pertaining to Project Veritas that is unreleased, and I need to make sure we verify the details. But I definitely want to get into, at least at that point, uh, the bigger picture here. You know, because um, it's, it's getting crazy. It's getting crazy. I hope things don't get crazier, but as, as most of you know, I've talked about civil war. So this is scary stuff from TimCast.com. 
For the second time in only a week, a New Jersey Republican elected official has been shot and killed. Milford Borough Councilman Russell Heller was murdered by a co-worker on February 8th outside of a public service enterprise group, PS, uh, PSENG <clears throat> facility, where he worked as a distribution manager. Now, on the surface, this one may not be political. We don't know. Or it could be over uh, explicitly that. I mean, some might argue that because he was working his other job, it may not be political. But I got to say, maybe people are snapping. Heller served, <clears throat> excuse me, Heller served as a borough councilman in the Hunterton County's community of Milford. He was first elected in 2017 and reelected in 2020. His death comes just a week after New Jersey uh, councilwoman Eunice Dwumfer was shot to death in a vehicle outside her home. The Somerset County prosecutor says Gary T. Curtis, the suspected gunman, approached Heller outside of his vehicle in the PSENG parking lot around 7 a.m., shot Heller when he got out. Detectives traced Curtis's Mercedes-Benz to the Bridgewater train station several miles away, where authorities found Curtis dead from a self-inflicted gunshot. Authorities have not yet determined a motive, but did say that Heller was the intended target. Quote, we are heartbroken at the tragic death of Russell Heller, senior distribution supervisor at PSENG. Russell was an admired employee and a supervisor with over 11 years of service with PSENG. P.S.E. and G. He will be sorely missed by all of uh, by all. And our thoughts are with his family at this difficult time. This event is tragic and disturbing, and we are offering support to our employees as they process this. We are cooperating with law enforcement with respect to their investigation. Questions about the investigation should be directed to law enforcement. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy issued the following statement. Shortly after the incident, early this morning, a deadly shooting took place outside of a PSENG facility in Franklin Township. Our thoughts and prayers are with Russell Heller's family and friends in the wake of this tragic act of gun violence. You see what they do? Gun violence. Or is this someone intending to kill a Republican? U.S. <coughs> excuse me, geez. U.S. House Rep. Tom Keene posted a statement to his Facebook page offering his condolences. I am shocked and saddened by this tragic murder of Milford County uh, Councilman Russell uh, Heller. Russell was an outstanding public servant who proudly represented the river town he loved. My prayers are with his family in the Milford community. Authorities have requested anyone with information related to the shooting to contact the Somerset County Prosecutor's Office Major Crimes Unit. They They then provide the address and phone number. We have this story from the New York Times. Vigil held for slain councilman as FBI joins hunt for her killer. Hundreds of people gathered Wednesday in Sayreville, New Jersey, to remember Eunice K. Dwumfer, the first ever black person elected in the small borough. They say in the week since a New Jersey councilwoman, councilwoman was shot to death in a car on the street outside her house, the police have interviewed friends and family members and enlisted the help of the state police and the FBI. But the county prosecutor speaks, speaking publicly on Wednesday for the first time about the case, said that the investigation into Eunice K. Dwumfer's killing remains unsolved. <clears throat> Hours later, hundreds of people gathered for a vigil in honor of, <clears throat> excuse me, geez, I really can't talk right now, guys. In honor of Miss Dwumfer, a 30-year-old Republican trailblazer who was the first ever black person elected in the small borough of Sayreville. She was remembered by the town's Democratic mayor, Victoria Kilpatrick, for her radiant smile and willingness to be a role model to young girls. 
wearing her signature sparkling high heels, Ms. Dwumfer broke through the glass ceiling. Earlier in the day, the governor ordered flags to fly at half-staff statewide in Ms. Dwumfer's memory. The state's lieutenant governor, Sheila Y. Oliver, and the leader of the assembly, Craig Coughlin, both Democrats each spoke at the vigil, underscoring the deep sense of loss and shock felt over the mysterious killing. Don't forget what she packed into those 30 years, Miss Oliver told the large crowd gathered at Epic, a non-denominational Christian church in Sayreville, adding that she identified with the grit that it took for Miss Dwumfer to enter the often rough and tumble world of New Jersey politics as a black woman. She asked the community to embrace Miss Dwumfer's young daughter, Nicole, and do all that we can to do to help her stand up. A photo of Ms. Dwumfer dressed in festive wedding attire appeared on one of the three large screens in the church as soft music played in the background. Ushers passed around boxes of tissues to emotional mourners. Hopefully the monster who was responsible for, responsible for this will be found, Ms. Coughlin said. Ms. Dwumfer's family is from Ghana. She was married last year to a leader of her church, Champions Royal Assembly, a congregation based in Nigeria. According to messages she and her husband, Ease Kings, posted to Facebook. Maybe as E. Kings. Yolanda Siccone, probably pronouncing that wrong. The Middlesex County prosecutor, Siccone, said that investigators do not at this time believe the killing was tied to activities outside the United States. My personal opinion, based on what we're seeing, it's political. But to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And as somebody whose whole world is rooted in politics, culture, culture war, etc., it makes sense that I would see it that way. So maybe that is not the case. Take it all with a grain of salt. But I can't help but shake that feeling, my friends. Something's happening. We're all part of. Something weird's going on. I mean, look, I made this joke tweet earlier. You maybe heard me talk about it, where I said, um, Stephen Crowd in the Daily Wire, me in the quartering, and uh, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. You know, and I'm thinking like, how are all of these things happening right away? Because people, someone asked me this. They were like, do you see all this drama erupting? Like there's, there's like a, bu- a bunch of other anti-establishment or conservative commentators are, are feuding with each other. And I'm like, yeah, it's really being gutted and ripped apart. It's interesting, isn't it? People being pitted against each other. Why? How is this happening? I mean, it's not orchestrated. Like no one's, no one sent me any documents telling me what to say. That was a joke. Although some people take it seriously whatever. But when you see stories like this, yo, this may be the single worst past few weeks for the anti-establishment libertarian conservative counterculture than we've seen in the past decade. And maybe that's something that we need to correct right now. But I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. I think, uh, you know, people are really torn on all this stuff. But I will say seeing another Republican be, be murdered Certainly does make me take stock of things. That's for sure. I don't know what the answer to all this is. It may not be political at all. But uh, it certainly seems like, I hate to say it, but things are worse now than they've ever been. No, I mean, and I know, I know, maybe it's hyperbolic because we've seen Antifa walking around. You know, we had that guy in, in Portland shoot that other Trump supporter. But just in terms of the stability of any kind of opposition to the machine. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Doesn't seem to be going all that well. It seems to be chaotic and, and, and facing destruction. Now, aside from the drama that I already mentioned, of course, you also had in the House the battle with Kevin McCarthy. But it's like we, we're all taking sides. We're all agreeing or disagreeing. It's very, very strange. So I'm wondering if there is an element of intent behind what's causing the turmoil, the disruption, and the fracturing of those who oppose the establishment machine. Have we become too much of a threat to the machine to where they now have to apply subversive methods? I don't know. All I know is, yo, somebody killed these people, man. Let's read a little bit more. This is our number one priority. Miss Siccone, I'm going to pronounce it every different way, said in an interview at, after an unrelated event, there is no expense being spared. We have all of our detectives working on it. When asked by a reporter if the killing might have been a political assassination, she said, I really don't want to comment on that. I think it is. The FBI is helping investigators conduct scientific analysis, she said, but declined to elaborate. Ms. Ciccone also said that her office had blocked efforts by news organizations to obtain video footage from the night of the shooting out of respect for Ms. Dwumfer, who has not yet been laid to rest. Ms. Dwumfer was shot around 7.20 p.m. last Wednesday outside of her apartment in Parlin an unincorporated section of Sayreville. Her car rolled down the street and crashed into parked cars at the base of a hill. The sprawling complex of three-story apartment buildings and duplex homes is known as Camelot at La Mer, and it backs up against the southbound lanes of the Garden State Parkway. Now, I, I do want to add, I don't think these people lived next to each other. I don't know if these people had any, any relation to each other. They say other officers reached into shrubbery and beneath sewer grates near where she was shot in what appeared to be a search for a weapon. Ms. Ciccone offered no information about a possible suspect, but she did say that there was no ongoing threat to the community. We will solve the case. Many of the mourners Wednesday night said they were congregants from a Pentecostal church where Ms. Dwumfer worshipped as a child in Newark and from Champions Royal Assembly. She was a good girl, said Grace Affle of Hillside, New Jersey, who said she had known Ms. Dwumfer since the young age, since the young woman was a child. I'm pretty sure that the police will not relax until they find the person who did this horrible thing. So that's my question, I suppose. You know, look, we want to find patterns, especially for someone like me who's constantly looking at the political conflict intention. I'm, I'm, I'm cognizant of this fact, which is why I say take it with a grain of salt. I don't know that these, 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 could, be, these, these could be coincidences. Sometimes people get murdered. But I just I can't shake that feeling, man. I can't shake that feeling that with this and, and so much else going on, that there's, there's something, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not political or personal. Maybe something more spiritual. Maybe this is the kind of thing that makes me want to believe in astrology. Let me look to the stars and figure out where's the moon or Mercury or whatever, because what is going on? The conflict, the crisis, the infighting, the instability. These are crazy days indeed. And I can't help but feel that we're uh, that I can't help but feel that we're going to see things get crazier as the year progresses. 
I'm wondering if a lot of what we're seeing in terms of political conflict between the anti-establishment factions has a lot to do with, you look, you've got Ron DeSantis and Trump fighting. You've got the House infighting. You've got the Daily Wire and Crowder. You've got obviously me and other personalities who are, who are feuding. You've got uh, people canceling subscriptions for one channel and, and threatening to cancel for another channel. You know, what's going on? Why, why is this happening? And should we all just say, okay, let's not do this? Or do people really just hate each other? I'm wondering, man, because seeing people get killed has me worried that if political violence is going to start escalating, and I don't know what degree I would weigh this as political violence. Like, you know, usually I like to give a percentage probability that I would make a guess towards. I got nothing here. I think there's a strong possibility these are not political, right? And it's only because I live in this political world I'm thinking that. But if we do start to see the ramping up of political conflict, I mean, two Republicans shot and killed in New Jersey within a week. I think at that point, you at least have to say, let's check into that angle. You don't just say, well, now they're two completely unrelated things. Look, they're politicians at the very least. Two politicians shot and killed. At any, at any point, when you see something like that, you should be like, no, we should investigate that as a potential motive. I don't have the answers, man. I don't. But it does feel like something dark stands before us, at least from what I'm looking at. And uh, man, what do you do? Turn tail and run or confront it and face it head on? Do we call to set down our swords and have all of these different drama feuding factions? Yo, just just stick to what really matters. Individual liberties, personal freedoms, opposing woke cults and the far left. I don't know, man. I don't know. Perhaps it's not as bad as it was with the summer of love. I mean, that was really, really bad. And maybe this summer it won't be nearly as crazy. But one thing we've not seen since the, the, the start of uh, the Trump era is GOP infighting at a primary. When Donald Trump was running, of course, he was calling out other Republicans and it was pretty brutal. Then he gets elected and we have four years of Trump. And then we end up with Trump as the incumbent who's running, running again. We see infighting among the left. We see political conflict. We see physical violence. But there was no infighting among the anti-establishment and the right and the libertarian factions. Granted, they're you know, kind of coming together in, into a certain respect. And I think it was because there was no need to, to figure out who's going to dominate this, this, this side of the culture war. But now perhaps what's happening with this, with this drama and the feuding is different values clearly exist. And perhaps there's going to be an internal civil war as it pertains to the ideological factions of what we would call the culture war right. Is it going to be classically liberal and academically approached concepts? Is it going to be moralistic outrage, religious, or perhaps it'll be drama fueled, persona non grata, how dare you defy the mob? Man, I don't I'm not going to pretend to have the answers. I'll only tell you that uh, united we stand, divided we fall. If we cannot come together and figure out what it is that we're working towards and why, negotiate those terms, you will see more of these killings. I'm not saying this one is for sure politically motivated. You'll, you'll see more killings like it. These are Republicans who are being killed. Is there a story recently about Democrats being killed? Well, the media will come out and say Republicans are the extremist threat. And therein lies the problem. With the, the woke cult 
the mind capture that so many of these people are under. Man, they believe the economy is good. They march in lockstep. And, the, and independents and Republicans are in disagreement, but unified on what may or may not be true. Actually following the facts and trying to understand the stories. So, again, as we're moving towards a primary, as we're moving into a primary year, I think we're going to see political turmoil between various factions that are only tangentially aligned become more pronounced, way more pronounced. You've got people attacking Steven Crowder, saying that he's causing problems for the movement. You've got people attacking the Daily Wire, saying that they tried screwing over Steven Crowder. You've got loyalists on both sides, but the drama extends. You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene siding with Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates going against him. Matt Gates now saying he gives Speaker McCarthy an A, plus, uh, uh, an A rating. But what's going on? Project Veritas, this is really, really big news. Now, Project Veritas has ousted James O'Keefe. I've got new information that uh, I will be covering and revealing that uh, I've been working to confirm and working with uh, uh, other journalists to figure out what's going on. There's been leaks. There's been rumors. But I've got some, uh, some interesting hard proof. So I know a lot of people wanted me to focus on that solely, but I'll have that up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. And I need to confirm some of these details. But I can only say this before, but, you know, obviously not having gotten, if you're listening on the podcast, obviously you've heard that first. But um, I got to say, guys, I'm not sure there is, there is mending the dramatic divides that are ripping apart the anti-establishment movement right now. I cannot see anybody willing to compromise what they view as their morals and ethics to negotiate and try and move forward to combat horrifying things like this and push back on the woke cult. And that being the case, man, it kind of feels like the woke cult is going to pull ahead on this one. And you've got elements within the World Economic Forum, the Davos group and things like that that are going to be all so happy to see that the only thing standing in their way is being ripped apart. Donald Trump targeting Ron DeSantis, like I mentioned, Daily Wire, Stephen Crowder, me and the quartering or whatever you want to call it. James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, the, the, the members of Congress and the Republican Party. Everybody seems to be in some kind of, of feud and divided we fall, man. I just want to make sure that you understand that. So I don't know who's going to be the first to say they're willing to accept terms they don't agree with. I don't know. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m., as I mentioned. We'll be talking about Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. I've got some new breaking information. And this is getting really interesting, so we'll talk more in depth on this. I'll cover that story. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Life is full of hardship and tragedy. And no one knows that more than Selma Hayek. She knows just how much life is not fair. From this story from Bounding into Comics, Selma Hayek's sexiness kept her from getting every job she wanted. Now, I'm going to start off by saying, okay, look, she's allowed to make her point. Her point is very simple. She wanted to do comedy, but a lot of these companies and producers in Hollywood said, look, you're a sexy woman, so we don't think comedy is right for you. And she couldn't get these roles until Adam Sandler let her do it. Fair point. Fine, fine, fine. But I still do think it's kind of funny that you have a woman who's been given tremendous opportunity, who's upset, at least a little bit. I'm not saying she's screaming or crying, but she's upset because she couldn't literally do everything. And I kind of feel like, I, I feel like this is indicative of the modern era and the, the, cur the current cultural perspective around identity, that everybody wants to be something else or someone else or do something else. 
instead of just being themselves and accepting what they are. You know what I mean? So to see this story and have her be like, you know, oh, I, I couldn't I couldn't do comedy because I was just too, too sexy of a woman. Yeah. And there's big fat guys who don't get to be the love, uh, uh, the, the, the attractive character chased after, sought after by the men because they're big fat guys. We're not going to make movies where it's like we get a morbidly obese dude who makes jokes to be the highly sought after love interest in this film because it's unrelatable and doesn't quite make sense. And in the same sense, we're not going to get the busty, young, attractive woman to be the comedian for the most part. You know, certainly there are some funny and attractive women. But here's the story. Few people. Oh, man. This is from uh, Bounding Into Comics. Few people live tougher lives than celebrities. Actress Selma Hayek is no exception. And she recently revealed one of her personal tragedies. Her sexiness prevented her from getting every job she's ever wanted. Maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but you know, on February 6th, the UK version of GQ published a profile on Hayek. In it, she details some of the struggles she's had to overcome. Author Olivia Pym eases her readers into the story by laying out the setting of the interview. In a room heady with the scent of burning fig candles, Hayek Penult dressed in a black crochet cardigan and fuzzy platform. I really hate writing like that, so I'm uh, not going to read it. At her feet was a bleach white dog, Lobito, meaning little, little wolf, Lobito, eyeing a plate of emoji perfect chocolate chip cookies on the table between us. I just really don't like that kind of writing. But anyway, she says, or they go on, after a little bit more introduction, the interview is getting, uh, get, gets going, and Hayek begins relaying some of the hardships that she, a sexy woman, has had to face. I was typecast for a long time, she tells Pim. My entire life, I wanted to do comedy, and people wouldn't give me comedies. I couldn't land a role until I met Adam Sandler, who put me in the comedy Grown Ups, but I was in my 40s. They said, you're, you're sexy. You're not allowed to have a sense of humor. I really don't believe anyone ever said that to her. However, I do believe that she may have had her agent reach out to comedies, and they were like, look, we're not looking for a character like this for our movie. Maybe. I don't see why they wouldn't have an attractive young woman in a comedy film, though, so I don't understand what her point is. If anything, she should have gotten these roles. I mean, come on. If you're going to do a movie with Adam Sandler, they had Drew Barrymore. She was like a young, attractive movie star, and they did 50 First Dates. I just don't buy it. This comes off as, to be completely honest, not related to her being attractive. I think that whole thing is silly. I think it's a fair point to say maybe she didn't fit the roles, but it comes off as whinging. And here I am whinging about her whinging. She didn't make it. It happens. It's not because you're too sexy. Certainly, there are many. Se- oh, Gwyneth Paltrow played that fat chick in uh, Shallow Hell. But there were scenes where it's like she's attractive and unattractive. They could have had Salma Hayek do something like that. Or maybe it's that she didn't fit the role. And that's the real reason. But oh, what was me? I'm just too attractive. Towards the end of the article, Hayek sa- talks about a recently released male stripper movie in which she stars. More than being a movie about an older woman falling in love with a younger guy, it's about a middle-aged woman that has a lot of potential and is sick of being undermined her entire life. Is the subtext in that statement perhaps? Oh yeah, magic Mike. All in all, it's just a tough read, and it serves as a reminder that it's never easy being a sexy woman. Excellent writing, by the way. It also serves as a reminder that readers don't have to go to just Cosmopolitan, Glamour, and Vogue to read girly articles. They can now go to GQ and other magazines for men to get them as well. 
On a related note, on February 8th, the Daily Caller published Salma Hayek brought the magic Mike, Mike strippers home with her. In this day and age, when both progressives and conservatives constantly lecture the peasants on the coarseness of our society and the need for civility and decorum, it's quite uplifting to see a story about a married woman bringing male strippers home with her. God, man. Ah, you know. Ultimately, though, Salma Hayek has not had it easy. And while the majority of everyday Americans are struggling just to make ends meet, it's clear that their struggles are nothing compared with what she's faced. Nothing compared to the tragedy of how her sexiness has kept her from getting every job she ever wanted. It is so hard indeed. But you know what I see with this story? I'm not going to drag Salma Hayek because she thinks she's too sexy or whatever. No, I'm going to drag her over the identity entitlement. People have uh, different ethnicities, different races, different heights, different genders. They're from different parts of the world. They have different accents. There are people who get cast for films because of their accent. The, the rumor that I've heard is that Arnold, Arnold, we just call him that because YouTube will censor us if we say his actual name. I'm not even kidding. You'll get like a strike. People, people don't like saying that guy's name. Arnold. They, they, he has to get speech therapy to keep his accent because that's the iconic thing about casting him in movies. I don't know if that's true anymore. I mean, the dude's old. But when you're cast for something, it's because you fit the bill. I've been cast in shows and stuff like that in the past. It's funny, after Occupy Wall Street, this TV show, A Thousand Ways to Die, aired. And I'm in two episodes of this show, I think two, maybe more. And we filmed it well before Occupy Wall Street. But they needed Skater Guy. They're like, we need a dude who's like got a skateboard. And I'm like, I'm a guy with a skateboard. And they're like, you're perfect. Come on down. We'll pay you 50 bucks. Seriously, I got paid 50 bucks to be skater guy on this show. Now, if I was a busty young woman and they were casting skater guy, would I be like, I've always just wanted to play a skateboarding dude in a movie, but they wouldn't cast me. That's the issue. So many people today desperately want to be someone else. Well, you got the opportunity. It's called VR. Go in your VR world, put on your headset and then emulate being somebody else. Create an avatar or something like that. Go in video games, play a different character. But I got to be honest, maybe that's actually what's driving this. You know, I I have to say that I imagine throughout history, people have tried to imagine, well, not always, but once you get to a certain level of human philosophical understanding, they've tried to empathize and understand what it might be, what it might be like to be someone else. But then once we get into this era of video games, and you can actually play a character that is wholly different from you. I wonder if that plays a role in identity disorders. Now, I certainly think a big component of gender identity, uh, gender identity uh, disorder or, or dysphoria, whatever they're calling it, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, is endocrine disruptors, which feminizes a person's brain or masculinizes it. But we had Jeff Younger on the show, and he brought up a lot of these young kids are playing video games, MMORPGs, where they play as female characters the whole time. And maybe they then come to start identifying with that character as them. Because when you're playing something like World of Warcraft, the joke he made was when you're getting started playing a game, if, you want to stare, if you're going to stare at a butt all day, you're going to stare at a chick. It's an old joke dating back to the early days of MMORPGs. Why guys would play female characters? Well, some, some, for, for, for a variety of reasons. Many people would have a variety of characters, male and female, because those are options. Some people would literally be like, I like watching the chick dance around and fight and like you control her, right? Maybe, maybe that's misogynistic. I don't know. But the idea then is you get kids playing video games. And if a boy chooses a, a female character or a female chooses a male character, and then they start going around saying, I have this and I have that, instead of my character has this, they start to personally identify with something they are not. 
I'm not saying I know for sure that's the reason why people are having an identity crisis. Sam Hayek certainly wishes she was probably a fat dude who can be a comedian like Chris Farley or something like that. I'm exaggerating. But the idea here is that you don't get to be everyone all the time. That's just reality. You are who you are. Me, I got messed up teeth and people commented all the time. Tim, fix your teeth. I'm like, whatever. I don't know, man. I, I wear a beanie all the time. I got no hair. I have a beard, whatever. I got a thing on my face right here. I am who I am. That's all I can ever be. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to get surgery. I'm not going to get plastic surgery. I'm not going to try to experience life something different than what I am because I'm fine with who I am. And maybe that's what people need to, to learn. You need to learn to love yourself and be fine with who you are and not be upset that sometimes you don't get the role. Sometimes, you know, you know you're not going to be a, a world class pool player. You're not going to be the best skateboarder in the world. You're not going to be an Olympic snowboarder. You're not going to be you're not going to be a female night elf druid running through the forest and fighting orcs. You're just not. You can make a video game and you can pretend and you can cosplay but that's not the reality that we're in. Maybe in the future, we'll, we'll get Neuralink into people's minds and you can simulate feeling and experiencing being something like that. But your mind and your soul and your existence will always be what you are. You can get surgeries to change it. It doesn't change what you are. If you are a person who gets plastic surgery, you're not a person with a pretty nose. You're a person who got plastic surgery to get a pretty nose. And there's this uh, old meme that's really funny of, um, it's a, uh, a, a woman and a man and they're smiling together and their kids all have really big noses and it's like plastic surgery. And the joke is the woman used to have a nasty nose and got plastic surgery, but her kids kept the genetics. It's like, yeah, because your, your genetics won't change. You can get whatever surgeries you want. It won't change what and who you are. I don't know. Look, that's the, that's, that's the main point here. I saw this and my real reaction was like, dude, Salma Hayek, you've had every opportunity, like every opportunity you can, but you don't get to be everything. So I'm not sitting here, you know, I don't want to make it seem like she cried about it or anything. She's just pointing out she didn't get those roles. That's fine. But I think most people need to learn that. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. And here we go. Alec Baldwin seeks to dismiss rust shooting. Prosecutor claims her being a Republican will lead to unfair trial. That was a weird pause. He wants to dismiss the prosecutor because she's a Republican. Well, you know what? I guess I don't blame him. This country seems to be uh, getting ripped apart. Hyperpartisanship. I don't know, man. People are desperate for something to latch on to, something to be a part of, some mission, some cause. And they want, I don't know. That's what they want. Now, this is a clever tactic for Alec Baldwin. Oh, uh, you know, she's a, I'm a I'm Democrat and she's a Republican. What does that have to do with the fact that you shot a lady, dude? Do you think that the only reason we're mad that you killed a person is because you're a Democrat or because you made fun of Donald Trump? That's the world that these people live in. And I got to be honest, so many people live in, in, in a similar world. And it's just, it's boring. It really is. I may have heard it from people. I've heard it from people a lot. You know, there's, there's got to be something else, something more. But I think the issue is we're so bored as, as humanity, desperately looking for some kind of struggle that we've created this environment of tribalism. Now it's being exploited by people like Alec Baldwin. But I'll tell you this. All right, then I'm going to make the argument Alec Baldwin shot that woman because she was a Republican, because certainly that's within his mind, right? That if you are against Republicans, then certainly must be why. Has anyone considered the, considered the political angle? to why Alec Baldwin had live ammunition in his gun belt, pulled out a gun, pointed it at a woman, pulled the trigger, shooting her with a live bullet. 
could politics have played a role? We heard they had they met for dinner. Maybe she was saying, I don't like how you insult Donald Trump. And he was like, I'm going to insult Donald Trump however I want. I can't do an impersonation of Alec Baldwin. I'm kidding, by the way. My point is just it's a clever excuse. Alec Baldwin has filed a motion to disqualify the special prosecutor assigned to take him to task regarding his accused involuntary manslaughter of Russ cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the grounds that her right-leaning political affiliation makes her appointment unconstitutional by New Mexico law. What? Appointed by the state's prosecutor in Baldwin's case in August 2022, Andrea Reeb is an attorney and Republican member of the New Mexico House of Representatives who, according to her personal website, currently holds a 97% conviction rate, a statistic which presumably played a large part in the actor's decision to jump the gun and seek her disqualification. Yeah, he is going to get convicted. Under Section 1 of Article 3 of the New Mexico Constitution, a sitting member of the legislature may not exercise any powers properly belonging to either the executive or judicial branch. Read the motion. As filed by Baldwin's attorney, Luke Nikas. It continues. As a special prosecutor, Representative Reeb is vested by statute with all the powers and duties of a district attorney who is considered to be a member of either the judicial or executive branch of the New Mexico government. Baldwin's motion further alleges that Reba's potential influence on her colleagues in the legislature could thwart any efforts to legislatively foreclose a prosecution that has been widely criticized as unjust and unprecedented. Alec Baldwin killed a lady. Alec Baldwin pulled out a gun, pointed it at a woman, pulled the trigger, pulled the hammer back, pulled the trigger, shot and killed her and injured a guy behind her. The excuse they give is that he was in front of a camera filming a movie. Yeah, he had live bullets in his gun belt. Filming a movie in possession of bullets that were used to shoot and kill a woman. I'm sorry, man. I know you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. If you're going to if you're going to say this was an accident, then I, I can accept that if someone had you up and I'll say, well, you know, I don't know if I trust it, but what I convict the guy. You come to me and say it was all one big accident. You know, they came and they handed him the gun and he didn't know and he was filming a movie. And I'll go, well, you know, and then you go and he had live ammunition, you know, in his gun belt. And I'm gonna be like, OK, now that sounds much more likely that he actually shot this person intentionally. That's what I think. Maybe that warrants conviction. Even if she recuses from votes on her own compensation, her clout with her colleagues on other matters could wittingly or not encourage them to maintain funding for her position, denounces the motion. We're were the arrangement here approved by the courts. Future district attorneys could seek to curry favor with legislators who control their budgets by appointing them to high profile cases, distorting the legislative process. In the motion's footnote, Baldwin would go on to suggest that Reeb could potentially be pressured into making prosecutorial decisions that benefit her own legislative interests, including prosecuting a prominent defendant associated with an opposing faction within the legislature, even in the face of conflicting evidence or law. And even if she does not allow her legislative interests to influence her prosecutorial choices, the perception of bias could diminish public confidence in the fairness of the criminal process. The argument concludes. The legal question is not a close one. She must be disqualified. Formally and criminally charged on January 19th, both Baldwin and rust armor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed are accused of involuntary manslaughter. This we know. Quote, the first rule of gun safety is never point a gun at someone you don't intend on shooting, said Santa Fe District Attorney's Office Special, Special Investigator Robert Schilling, who also noted that the actor should have assumed the gun he was handed contained live rounds. Now, now, hold on there. You actually got me to the point where I'm defending Alec Baldwin here. 
Just because someone hands him a gun doesn't mean he, he should assume it, it has live rounds in a theatrical sense. You know, he's saying don't point a gun at someone, someone unless you intend on shooting. Now, look, hold on. Alec Baldwin should have checked this. I don't think he should have assumed there were live bullets in it. He should assume that any gun is always loaded and he should check it himself. What, I, what, what I'm trying to clarify is if you're handed a gun, it's your responsibility. You need to make sure he needs to show you. He needs to confirm they're not real bullets. But I'm saying I don't expect an actor to make the assumption that someone else would hand him live bullets. And that is to go on to say, I'm not sure that was the case here. I think it is more likely that Alec Baldwin himself put the live bullets in it, considering he was in possession of live ammunition. Why would anyone assume he or anyone else, someone else handed him live ammo? No, sorry. No, I think he put it in there. I think that's the simple solution. And as for pointing the gun at people, I don't think you should ever. But many people have made the point that, look, it's a movie. He's going to point the gun at, at the camera. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? I can certainly understand there may be some circumstances where a prop gun that can't fire is pointed in the direction of a person. That I understand. And if, the, if this was the case where Alec Baldwin was instructed and it's proven that this is not a real weapon. Don't worry, Alec, it's not a real weapon. There's no ammo. And he goes, oh, OK. And then he's, and then he's using it. OK, I'd give him a little bit more leeway. But I still have to say that Alec Baldwin, who has like four decades of experience with firearms, should know better. And thus, his efforts to dismiss a prosecutor are just a delay tactic. Nice try, dude. You're responsible for this. The first rule of gun safety is to never point a gun at someone you don't intend on shooting. It's true. Schilling also pointed out how Baldwin neglected to undergo required firearms training prior to the commencement of filming, even after Gutierrez Reed requested more training. Though Baldwin previously claimed during an interview with now former CNN anchor Chris Cuomo that his role as a producer for Rust precluded him from being held legally responsible for the killings of Hutchins, as per Schilling, it's not the case. Bro, you had the gun in your hand. I'm not responsible. I'm a producer. You're the guy who held the gun, pointed it, pulled the hammer back, pulled the trigger and shot someone. And then they found ammo on your person. As the producer of a firearm intense film, evidence shows that Baldwin allowed through acts or omissions, the hiring of inexperienced and unqualified Gutierrez Reed for his production, failed to mitigate or establish more precautions to protect against Gutierrez Reed's inexperience or failed to demand the minimum safety standards, protocols, and requirements on set, said Schilling. In regards to Baldwin and Gutierrez-Reed's charge of involuntary manslaughter, as per Karmic Altwise, for this charge to be proved, there must be underlying negligence. Under New Mexico law, involuntary manslaughter is a fourth-degree felony and is punishable by up to 18 months in jail and a $5,000 fine. This charge also includes the misdemeanor charge of negligent use of a firearm, which would likely merge as a matter of law. As for their second charge of involuntary manslaughter in the commission of a lawful act, the Santa Fe DA explained this charge requires proof that there was more than simple negligence involved in the death. Now, I'm curious as to what that really means, because he had live ammo in his gun belt. So uh, certainly this is also a fourth degree felony punishable by up to 18 months in jail and up to a $5,000 fine. This charge includes a firearm enhancement or added mandatory penalty because a firearm was involved. The firearm enhancement makes the crime punishable by a mandatory five years in jail. My friends, if Alec Baldwin intended to kill this woman, then he needs to be locked up in five years fine. But if we're going to play this game that it was involuntary manslaughter, five, five years is too much. 
If this is truly a story of a man who accidentally shot someone because he was filming a movie, he shouldn't be charged at all. But I don't believe that. I believe based on everything we've seen and statements he's made, he's either been lying or, well, he's probably been lying for a lot of reasons. But I think he was feuding with the staff. I think it makes more sense that this guy with, with ammo in his belt put the bullet in it and shot her and then went, oh, no. Do you guys remember the story about what he said after he did? He said he didn't even know he shot her for like 40 minutes. That's, that's insane. You mean to tell me you pulled out a gun, pointed it, pulled the trigger, bang, it goes off because they were supposed to be dummies, I guess. They weren't supposed to go off at all. She falls back screaming, ah, getting shot in the chest through her heart. Some other guy gets hit. They collapse. Everybody runs over and you go, that's a wrap. And you get up and walk out. Dude is lying. So let's see if his political play works. She's a Republican. Get her out of there. Fine. I understand his core argument. She's got legislative authority and therefore, okay, or something that effect. You can't do it. Let's see how that plays out for him, man. I think he's got he's to be held accountable to a certain degree, but we'll see. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. You know, I'd say get woke, go broke to this story. Disney to lay off 7,000 as woke corporation struggles to recoup subscriber losses. But um, yeah, I don't think it's about wokeness, to be completely honest. Now, there have been some organizations like the New York Times talking about how they're making money. But I think generally we're just seeing a downturn across the board in terms of subscription revenue. I mean, obviously, there was always going to be an upper limit. You can't grow forever. You can, uh, you can do certain things to try and get more and more money. But I mean, for a company like Disney, you got to recognize it's like, you're the top. That's it, baby. There's, no one else, there's nowhere else to go. And so, you know, they're going to be laying off 7,000. I mean, that sucks for them. And I do think wokeness plays a role. People are just tired of, of being preached at. They just want to be entertained. And speaking of that, y'all should really watch the latest South Park episode. Uh, it's kind of something else to see South Park somewhat indirectly make fun of you. Now, of course, they're making fun of Yay in this episode. But uh, the reason I bring them up is that in the episode, uh, uh, Randy Marsh, Stan's dad, starts talking to Kyle's dad about how Hollywood needs to stop the preaching and just get back to entertaining stories because people don't like being, you know, yelled at. And he's like, the woke stuff, it's got to stop. People are just sick of it. They just want to be entertained. And I don't know if, you know, uh, Parker and Stone meant that unironically, like they literally have him saying this because they agree with it or that that was funny to point out. But the general theme of the episode is that Kyle is Jewish, so he runs Hollywood. And uh, shout out, I guess, they kind of make fun of Timcast IRL because (laughs) Cartman says, who is they? And I'm like, oh, man, you know, he's got Cupid Yay or Cupid Yeezy calls it. And it's Kanye talking about Jews. And then he says, you have to, you know, speak up against they, though. And then Carmen's like, but who is they? And I got a bunch of messages from people uh, bringing that up. But anyway, I brought that episode up only because of what Randy was saying, that uh, it's not working anymore. And I agree. But I think there's something else, too. I think the reason we see a lot of this wokeness, I think the reason we see a lot of anti-wokeness, it is rooted to a certain degree in political ideology. You've got people who work at these companies who are true believers and they want to push it. But I also think people see it as a means to an end. <clears throat> so, for instance, with Disney, they're thinking, look, we're going to get a lot of views. You know how I know? I worked for Disney. I worked for an ABC News joint venture, a Disney subsidiary, and they said side with the audience. They genuinely believed if you just say things that people want to hear, they'll click the video. And that is mostly true. That's true for everybody. That is true for so many people on YouTube. 
and so many people in the anti-establishment, so many people in corporate press. It seems to be the driving force behind everything. But you know what it feels like? It feels like we're just so stagnant because at a certain point, we expect something to happen, right? But it's just the same all the way down. I suppose we can talk about this and we can gloat at Disney laying off 7,000 employees, but this isn't news. What I mean is it's not new. We've seen these stories. I've talked about this ad nauseum. So what else are we supposed to do? Yeah, I'll say it again. I mentioned it several times. This is why I didn't do an episode last Friday. I'm just like at this point, tired of the same thing with nothing changing. Maybe this is the end. The complete decentralization. Disney isn't going to make as much money because people are tired of it. They don't want to watch this stuff. Like, I'll put it this way. How many Marvel movies can you make and watch? Like, I'm really excited for Ant-Man Quantumania, to be completely honest. Kang the Conqueror is going to be in it. But yo, these are characters that were written 60 years ago or whatever. It's all just regurgitated. And these political conflicts, as much as I want to see American values survive and persist, I'm not so sure this is the path towards doing it. I mean, at a certain point, you get to a level where people are watching your content, you're making money, then you invest in it, you start making more. But I've long thought about this. This is why we have the strategy at TimCast.com that we do. We did not make any new political shows. We just have, uh, well, we're going to have one semi-political, but we've got, you know, TimCast IRL obviously is culture and politics, entertainment. Pop culture crisis is pop culture and entertainment with some culture and like some cultural politics, I should say. And I, I felt like, you know, the real path towards solving these problems is going to be community building. People aren't going to church as much anymore, things like that. We need a physical space where people can meet, get together and share ideas so that those ideas can persist. But I'll tell you what you guys know and what I'm really not interested in is it's getting increasingly difficult every day to just talk about the same things that don't seem to be changing. Crime is through the roof. Yeah, well, it's been seven years. You know, crime's been been getting worse. Antifa, violence, street violence. Now, I've periodically made videos explaining this. You know, there's periods where I'll be like, dude, I get it. Antifa just beat a guy up. I'm not going to make another video about it. And then I go, well, maybe I have to. Because there are still people who don't know about it. But then there are people who do know about it and stop caring because it's the only thing they ever hear about. So it's really difficult to break through. And thus you end up with, as Yuri Bezmanov describes, demoralization. People get so used to the world as it is, it stops being shocking. It stops being a victory. Is it a victory that Disney laid off 7,000 people because they're losing subscribers? I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe we want Disney to just utterly collapse. Maybe we want alternative networks to emerge and people to build new followings and to make new content. I mean, that's what we, we tried doing with Cast Castle. It's what we're doing with Tales from the Inverted World, which um, right, we got to figure out how we're even, you know, going to be doing it. But I think one of the things that's causing, as I talked about earlier today, a lot of this political drama between like Crowd and the Daily Wire, me and, you know, various other YouTube channels, Veritas uh, and um, James O'Keefe. It's a desire for conflict and purpose. And that's why the woke left is constantly trying to cancel each other. It's why you've got people like Hassan Piker saying he's not going to play Hogwarts Legacy because he doesn't want to get canceled. He doesn't want to get bullied because they're going to come to him. They're going to yell at him and he doesn't want to be involved in that. And I'm just like, yeah, that's the world we live in. And I don't want to live in it. I'm bored of it. And I think most of you are as well. I think we're all getting bored of it. So then what is there? 
I don't know. Maybe people are finding hobbies again. Maybe people are finally saying, you know what? I didn't care about politics. Then I did care about politics. I don't care about politics again anymore. Been there, done that. We saw what was behind the curtain. And I think where this goes is ebb and flow. Meaning people are going to start drifting away from this stuff because they don't care. They're going to get hyper-focused on drama and other stuff like that because it's something new to be upset about and rally around. And then they're going to get bored of that once they vacate the political space and drift into some other idea or some other concept, you'll get the corrupt politicians exploiting the system again, and then things will start to revert and get worse. Not that they've been getting too much better, to be completely honest. You know, Donald Trump was weighed down, and for years, we had a president who had not only his hands tied behind his back, but ankles uh, placed, uh, I'm sorry, weights placed on his ankles. And so this is where it brings us. There's only so much you can do, Disney. You've pandered to the woke crowd, but they're not subscribing anymore. Because been there, done that. We've heard it. We've heard it all before. It's just not interesting to anybody. And that brings up the big issue with the culture war and why I think civil war. And I'll explain it to you in in a way that I typically don't, but sometimes may have. It's not about two factions who oppose each other who are fighting. It's about a need for escalation, that humans aren't satisfied seeing the same thing over and over and over again. We want something new. So if you're following politics and someone says, as many of you have heard me say this, Donald Trump is bad, you click it and say, oh, he is. The next day, if they write the same article, you're not going to click it. So they say Donald Trump is the worst. And you go, he is? I heard he was bad. He's worse. They one up it every day. That's what they do. The headlines get more exaggerated. The claims more pronounced. The anger and the the demands for retribution, the righteous indignation becomes louder and louder. I mean, look at AOC. Man, bomb threaded. Boston's children's house. She made up that fake story where she's like, the guy knocks on her. Where is she? Where is she? Man, we need something else. That's why I'm I'm investing uh, resources into physical locations. So that we can just hang out, play video games and not do this petty online garbage. And then maybe that's where the real opportunity is. Create a system of coffee shops. I'll give a shout out to Black Rifle Coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. You know what? You know what happened? Kyle Rittenhouse was wearing their shirt. Someone said something like, Kyle Rittenhouse knows who the best coffee company is. And then Black Rifle came out and said, we do not endorse him. We do not sponsor him. And we won't. These things are bad. Blah, blah, blah. And they got flack for it. It's all everything is, man. I hope you realize people are trying to convince you to give. They want you to give uh, your money to them. I am, obviously, with TimCast.com. But I'll just put it this way, man. If you like what I do, if you agree with me and you believe in what we do, then support TimCast.com. And if you don't, don't. But too much of what we see is is corporations saying that they will say or do anything if it means you give them money. Suppose the difference between us and some of these corporations is that we're just a company run by me. Rather accidentally, I might add. Just started building stuff. More people supported it. More money came in. Started building more and more and more. And I'm wondering if it's worth it, to be completely honest. Because... It is just getting to the point where we're regurgitating the same ideas. This is probably the 50th video I've done about layoffs due to corporations getting woke and going broke. I don't know what the answer is. And I can't imagine where we will end up in a year if our whole shtick as an anti-establishment movement or even the establishment is just whatever the mob says goes. Where do we end up? 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe it's not possible to build a machine in this environment. Maybe we tried and we can't. Or maybe it is. Maybe we just got to keep doing what we're doing. You let me know what you think. Seriously. And, uh, and we'll talk about it. And we'll figure it out. There are easier ways to live a life and to, to, to challenge the machine. But how many people are really interested in it? And how, how much of this is just people who are bored and needing a cause and it really not doing anything? You know, look, man, last night, Matt Gates said some, some nice words about Tim Cast, but I'll, I'll tell you my honest feelings. One, tremendous respect for Matt Gates. He is my favorite member of Cong- Congress, but, but all of the Freedom Caucus individuals, you know, Jim Jordan's great, uh, uh, Lauren Boebert, Anna Paulina Luna, it was really great to talk to them. But I really do feel like one of the reasons that they're excited for the show is because we have a big audience, because people want to watch it. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm curious, I mean, it's power dynamics. It's how the whole system works and always has and always will. When we first started TimCast IRL, I had a large amount of followers, but the show was relatively new. People didn't want to come on. And so we got the guests that we could get. Now people won't stop begging me to come on the show. And it's kind of, I don't know, man. You know, I said this the other day. I don't want to tell someone they can't come on the show because they're not famous or anything like that. But the problem is it's power dynamics. It's how the whole machine works. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'd be better off just living in a trailer. You know, I talk about the van by the, not down by the river, but I'm like, no, I just get a couple acres of land and get some animals and just mind my own business and take care of myself. These people work so much less than I do. And if what we're really dealing with is just power dynamics where a centralized figure can dictate some ideas and p- convince people of what is good or what is bad, I mean, is that, is that ever going to change? I honestly don't know. Maybe uh, that one guy was right. What did he say? That it's best to not uh, meddle in the affairs of man or whatever. Better be a fisherman or something like that. The problem with that is the people who don't get involved in this will be then ruled by their lessers. Double-edged sword. But that's life, I suppose. That's life. As long as I can have my therapy sessions where I whinge to the camera, there's no reason for me to stop doing this. And uh, as long as most people keep supporting the work we're doing, I guess we'll keep doing it. But I have to wonder to what end? To what end indeed? I have values that I believe in. But apparently I've discovered recently that not everybody who follows me actually believes in those values. And that's, I don't know. It is what it is. So what do we do? Get what go broke, I guess. Suppose we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see y'all then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.